Have you been to Calvary? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. You will take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. I'm going to preach a uh, what may seem like an, an unnecessary message, um, but nevertheless, it's one that Lord lay on my heart. I'm talking to Brother David Phillips today. Uh, he was encouraging me about some things and uh, the Lord just... I've been struggling about preaching this, uh, but uh, after talking to him, the Lord settled some things in my heart. So, Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 20. You found your place, say amen. Amen. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you and thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're so thankful, Lord, for that old gospel shift. God, we're thankful, Lord, for the, the songs of Zion that were sang today. Lord, that reminded us uh, about that day that we got saved. And Lord, the peace that we have in our hearts. God, we're thankful, Lord, for the song that the young lady sang about being at Calvary. God, I'm thankful, Lord. There's a whole lot of things that I haven't done. But I'm glad this morning that all the things that I have done... You've washed it white as snow. And you've nailed it to the cross at Calvary. God, we pray now that you would touch some heart. Lord, maybe that's here or maybe that's listening somewhere along the line. Lord, maybe they need to hear about this message. We pray you'll touch. God, you know our hearts today. You know the ones that are here. You know the hearts of the people that are here. And God, we pray that you and you alone, Lord, would stir the hearts. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Correctly reading, we read Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 20, down through verse number 24. Now, in this passage of Scripture, you will not find the word hell. You'll find judgment, but you'll not find the word hell. But this morning, I want to preach on this thought, what about hell? And uh, I use this passage and we'll come back to it often. Uh, but I want us to know today that Jesus himself rebuked sinners. We find in verse number 20, it says, Then began he to upgrade the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. The word upgrade, uh, in the context of the scripture, it means to scorn them, to chasten them, if you will. And so Jesus began to re rebuke uh, these men, these women, these cities as a whole. Uh, we live in a society right now, though, that people think uh, solely about the love of God, and uh, they think about the love of Christ, and that's wonderful. I'm glad that we can go back to God's love, and we can see it, and we can see the effects and all of those things, but I need us to understand that uh, because Jesus loves us, because God loves us, He corrects um, His people, He chastens His people, but I'm glad that he will also, we see this here in verse number 20, he will scorn those that have repented not. 
And so today my heart is on this idea of hell. And I've tried my best not to have to preach it, uh, but I just feel compelled to do so. Uh, but we see proof of what I'm saying in Matthew chapter number 23. Verse number 27, Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, uh, hypocrites! For ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear fruit of beautiful outward, but within are full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Verse 28 says, Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. He said, Jesus said in John chapter number 5, verse number 14, uh, afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple. Now if you go back a little, a few verses before verse 14, uh, you'll find that Jesus healed a man and he took up his bed and he walked. And so it says afterwards he found him in the temple and said, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. He says in John chapter number 8, verse number 11, uh, No, uh, he asked, uh, she asked, Jesus asked the question uh, to the woman there uh, that had been caught in adultery. And he said, where are those that are accusers? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn me. Listen, go and sin no more. Uh, in verse number 34 of John chapter number 8, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And so these few four or five verses that I've just read, uh, Jesus approaches sin, uh, but he begins to uh, warn of sin. He tells us not to sin. Uh, he tells us that there's a penalty of sin. He talks to that religious crowd and says that uh, you may look good, but you're still full of dead men's bones. Uh, but then we look even, uh, we look in the book of Luke at the different parable, uh, parables. Uh, we see the rich man, or excuse me, the rich fool in Luke chapter number 12. Uh, he thought he had everything. Uh, but Jesus in the parable began to tell uh, that he truly had nothing and that he perished. Uh, in uh, Luke chapter 15, uh, we see the lost sheep. Uh, in chapter 15, we see the lost coin. In chapter 15, we, fee we see the lost son or that prodigal. Uh, how the things looked uh, apparently good, but within there was sin. Uh, if we look over in Luke chapter number 16, uh, we find the rich man and Lazarus and how that uh, Lazarus was good. And, uh, apparently he was saved. He was born again if we can use those words in this story uh, because he was carried uh, by the angels in Abraham's bosom. But there was a, a rich man there uh, that I believe that he probably heard uh, the words of Lazarus I believe he, he may have heard the words of, of God or of Christ. We don't know when it actually happened. Uh, but we find that when he died, he was buried. And he lifted up his eyes in hell. And he was in torments. And so uh, we find that Jesus Christ warned about sin. In the book of Matthew, we find the words of John the Baptist. And he told us what Jesus would do. He says in chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And so we see that Jesus is love. We see that Jesus does love. But because He loves, He tells about sin. And because He loves, He warns about sin. Now this raises to me, at least, it raises some questions about hell. I don't know why I'm not going to put any stock in this dream. And if some of you make it mad with me, and, and I, I hope that you don't, I hope you understand. Uh, but uh, a lot of people look up to this man named Billy Graham. And I'm sure he's, he's done a lot of things, a lot of good things, and I'm not going to bash Billy Graham, but I, I've dreamed, I've talked with Billy Graham that night. Have no idea. Have no idea why. He, uh, the, 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 where he first preached was in Ballsford, Florida, which is about 15 minutes away from where I used to live. Maybe that's why. Maybe I have no idea, Sammy. But sure enough, I, I helped him out of his car in my dream. Now, helped him out of his car and I began to walk 
not little. Uh, he began to, to tell that hell uh, was not a real place. That hell uh, was maybe a place of the of the soul or the spirit. Maybe it was some uh, existential place, or maybe uh, hell was here on earth. Uh, I don't I don't understand how all of that happened. Uh, but I began to ask him about these things, and I began to say, Mister Graham, do you really? In your heart of hearts, believe that hell is not real. Now again, this was a dream, so y'all just let it pass over if you want to. But in that dream, he began to say, actually, I still believe that hell is a real place. But society could no longer bear to hear that it was. So I changed my message. I didn't get that from history. I didn't get it from some magazine. This is what I dream, okay? I need I need you to understand that. I'm not putting words in his mouth. But I wonder if it could be true today that our society and our churches have lost sight of the reality of hell. I wonder if it could be today that we have... I, I, was, I told you I was talking to Brother David Phillips, and he and I were, were talking back and forth, and I said, Brother David... Could it be that the reason uh, that we don't have those experiences like we used to, uh, you probably remember preachers telling about stories where uh, folks were in their dying breath, their dying moments, they felt as though their feet were on fire and, and they tried to get out of the bed and they tried to get away and, and they could see people uh, pulling them into the flame. I said, could it be that the reason we don't have that is because that we have been so desensitized in our society. If you think about the, the modern movies, you remember horror movies in the past was maybe uh, Count Dracula and never black and white and he would speak up and he would, oh, and I mean, it was kind of cheesy. It wasn't really, really good or anything. But now you have all these effects and you have, it seems like ever, and I don't watch horror movies. You ought to know that by now. Uh, but all these horror movies, uh, but I can't even watch the commercials because they scare me. And my couch is up against the wall. I can't go much further backwards than that. Uh, but they have uh, these commercials of, of shadows that appear out of nowhere that drag uh, people into somewhere. I have no idea. Uh, they, and I'm not being funny, but they, uh, they, they, uh, uh, they have killer clowns and they have uh, killer kids and killer baby dolls and, and they have zombies and they have all of these other things that have desensitized us from quite possibly what some of the realities of hell may be. So now as maybe uh, someone that has has never accepted Christ and they're in their dying breath, uh, they remember watching all of these movies of all these creatures and all of these things and all of the gore and the blood and the violence and, and they may be truly seeing these visions of, of hell and of, and of demons pulling them into hell, but they think that it's just another movie. They think that it's just another scene in their life that they're replaying. There's no fear of hell. You can look around and see how people live. Now y'all bear with me. You can look around and see how people are living today. That are lost. I'm going to say two statements. The people that are lost, you see how they're living. You can tell that there is no fear of hell in their lives. Let's turn that coin over. You can look at the way some Christians are living today and you can see in their lives that there is no fear of hell. You say, what does a Christian have to fear hell? Why? It's not that a Christian, a born-again believer, they don't have to fear hell for themselves. But they must have a reality of hell in their hearts because their brothers and their sisters, their fathers, the neighbors, the co-workers are going to hell and we don't care. I want to ask you just a couple of questions. Number one, who will go to hell? Who will go to hell? Well, the Bible said there in verse number 20 and 21, I'm just going to read verse 21, excuse me. Woe to the Chorazin, 
Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and in ashes. These two woes here in verse number 21 were pronounced on those that did not repent of their sins. He says it there in verse number uh, 21. He says they would have repented long ago. He said that these people that are going to hell, they are the ones that did not repent of their sins. Not only that, but they are the ones who rejected Christ and His words. I have to turn over to the book of John if I can find it real quick. He says there in verse number, chapter number 1, it says uh, He came, verse number 11, He came unto His own and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. He says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God sent Jesus Christ. Yes, now we can say to all men, but He came to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and they rejected Him. Here he says, those that will be in hell, dealing with this first question, those that will be in hell are those that rejected Christ. I was reading an article several weeks ago, and uh, there was a Jewish rabbi, and he had pinpointed, he had pinpointed, listen, he had pinpointed the day that the Messiah would come. There, there may be some, some substance, some, some substance about what he said. I have no idea. But I'm not looking for the Messiah to come that first time like they are. They're still waiting for the Messiah to come to free them from some things. But he's already come. And he's come specifically for them. But they refused him and they rejected him. And so because of that, he allowed that anybody that would believe on him could become the sons of God. And so now we have verses like Romans 1.16 that the gospel is for all men. I'm not looking for the Messiah to come the first time. I'm looking for my Savior to come the second time. I'm looking for Him to come in the clouds and receive receive us up unto Himself. I'm looking to wave goodbye to this robe of flesh. I'm looking looking to wave goodbye, Brother Lee, to, to all the trouble and all the questions and all the sorrows and all the loss and all the goodbye. I'm looking forward to that day. Can I tell you something? Those that are going to hell... They can't look forward to that. They can't look forward to that. Who will go to hell? These woes were pronounced on those that did not repent of their sins. These woes were pronounced on those who had rejected Christ and His words. But those that had refused the truth or received the truth and refused. Next we see this, that we are deserving of hell. Over in Romans chapter number 3, we look at verse number 10. Romans chapter number 3, verse number 10. He, he gives us kind of our condition here. And he says, as, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out from the way. They are all they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues uh, they have used to see the poison of ashes under their lips. Do you understand how wicked that we were? That this world is? We, <laughs> we were deserving of hell. I'm glad that God in His love and His mercy reached out and saved I, I, I love that. I believe it was verse number 11. It says there's none that seeketh after God. And people bring up the argument and say, well, I, I remember seeking God. Honey, I want to clear this up real quick, fast in a hurry. You never would have sought God if He had not sought you first. If that Holy Ghost had not come. You say, well, I didn't feel that Holy Ghost. 
some church member. Don't you reckon that's what God does? He uses His people. You're pr- Listen to me. I'm going to help you. You're praying. God brings somebody into church. God brings somebody to you. God saved this person. God may use you to be His mouthpiece. <clears throat> We're deserving of hell. He said there in Romans chapter 10 or chapter 3 verse number 23. He said for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This, this will help you in your witnessing church. If you remember that you are a sinner. Brother David, was it you a couple weeks ago sang that song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But I, I think, Brother Kenny, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. My soul, Brother Eric, man alive, if you had seen what I once was, if you could go with me back to where it brought me from, then I know you would see that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It's because of God saving me. So as you begin to reach out and try to work with somebody, remember that you are no better than they are. But God brought you up out of that horrible pit. Out of the mighty clay. Isaiah 64, verse number 6, For we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. We're deserving of hell. We're all sinners. Christ died to save sinners from hell. I've got to tell you that you know this, but in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were, and I beat this word like a mule, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm glad that God didn't wait for us to clean up ourselves. I'm glad that God didn't wait for us to get in the boat and descale us and cut our off and clean ourselves. No! But instead, He saved us Amen. while we were sinners. Chapter number 10, verse number 9. That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be Saved. I love, I, love, I love those concrete words. Thou shalt be saved. Not you might. Not you may. But thou shalt be saved. Without a shadow of a doubt. Let's look at this next. Still dealing with this first question. Who will go to hell? Rejecting Christ brings the wrath of God. John chapter number 3, verse number 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. He said you'll not see life. How, how, how do we justify that phrasing? In John, John chapter number 10, he said that he came to, to give us life. And life more abundant. And you have been quickened. Who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. Before we could ever live, he had to quicken us. We were dead. You say, well, I'm living fine. I think it's Brother Lee and I were talking in, in the food line the other day. Every breath that we take is one step closer to death. Every day that we live, that's one less day that we have to live. But I have to ask the question today. Maybe there's somebody here today that is knocking at the door and God wants to save you. God wants to do a work in your life. I'm asking you today, are you ready to die now? Right now, are you ready to die? He said, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Revelation, can't remember what chapter, probably around chapter 19 or 20 or something like that. He begins to talk about death and hell being cast into the lake of fire. He said, which is the second death? He 
said, the wrath of God abideth on him. Luke chapter number 16. I don't want to read all of this. I, I, I'm trying to hurry. I've got to be obedient this morning. Luke chapter number 16. I told you that the rich man died was buried. Verse 23. And hell and lift up his eyes being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried. He said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. We see that it was tormented. We see that there was, throughout the scripture, we find that there's fire. There's thirst. Matthew said that there was weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. He said the same portion that the, the worm died not. He says in verse number 26, Abraham's talking to this man. He says, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. There's a lot of torments in hell, I firmly believe, that we don't know about. Some have said that that worm that dieth not is, is the memory Mentioned this a few weeks ago. They said that that is the memory. If you heard the gospel message and you still reject it and you die and you go to hell, that that worm is that memory of that message replaying over and over and over in your mind. Some have said it's true worms. And uh, I was talking to a gentleman this week and he was talking about over in the Bermuda Triangle. And he said they were studying it and they sent scuba divers down as far as they can go. So water there is not very deep. Uh, but they sent scuba divers down and they found uh, cracks or crevices uh, in the sea floor. And there was smoke and there was bubbles coming out of that thing. But there was, there was such a tremendous heat in certain places. But there were certain worms, and they called them blood worms, is what this gentleman said. They were thriving in that heat. And it's a heat that you could not touch. You could not be around. I've heard of that in other places with volcanic activity. That there is life that thrives in this heat, in this, uh, this almost unbearable situation. And he said, maybe, maybe it's one of those worms. Who, who will go to In a nutshell, those that have rejected, I, I almost said those, but that almost said those that don't believe in Christ. But you know this, you, you've kind of testified to this with the people that you work with. There's a lot of people that believe in God. There's a lot of people that believe in Christ. They don't trust Him. I wonder if there's a difference between believing in and believing on. I wonder if there's a difference between Miss Denisha just saying, yeah, I know who he is. And truly know him. And the people that will go to hell are the people that don't know. They may casually be able to recognize some, some odd picture of him with long hair and his Hands put together in prayer. They they may be able to to uh, acknowledge some some symbol of him, maybe a cross or a, a heart or something along those lines. But do you know? Do you truly know Christ? If not, if not, the Bible tells us, teaches us that you will go ahead. This is one of the, 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 the points that I've really struggled with because I don't want to confuse anybody. So before I forget that, I need y'all to help me, okay? I want you to say amen. Do you believe that all sin, whether little sin or big sin, is sin? Say amen. amen. So that means the little white lie, Brother Jody, is just as bad as murder. That's still saying not. Now, according to our text, the Bible teaches that there are degrees of suffering within hell. I struggle with this because I didn't want to confuse you. I believe it wholeheartedly. 
Let's look at it again. Let's look at verse number 21 again. He says, Woe to the Korean, woe to Beth- Bethsaida, for all the mighty works. If all the mighty works which were done in you had been done entirely inside them, then they would have repented long ago and sackcloth and ashes. Verse 22, But I say unto you, it should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. He said it's more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon. It'd be more tolerable for uh, Sodom than for these people that had rejected him, had rejected the message of Christ. John R. Rice said, Notice the doctrine in verse 22 and verse 24 that there will be degrees of punishment in the judgment and therefore in hell. Oliver B. Green said very similar statement. He said, if I can remember it correctly, he said, if you are making plans to spend eternity in the lake of fire, then according to Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 24, he said, then you ought to plan on living your best life here because when you get there, you will find the degrees of hell. In Matthew chapter 23, Again, he speaks about these degrees of hell, Tyre and Sidon, Sodom and Gomorrah. He says that that you that have heard all sinners, all sinners that reject Christ will go to hell. Do you believe that? All sin is sin. Do you believe that? And so we understand that whether you only tell a little lie or only steal a little pack of gum or you murder or you rape or you do some horrible gross sin, all of that is sin. The scripture here, he says that it's going to be worse in the day of judgment. And John R. Rice says, therefore, in hell. Chorazin and Bethsaida received but rejected many opportunities to trust in Him. Romans chapter number 2, verse number 1. You that are going to the Bible study, hopefully you've been reading through chapter number 1 and He gives us a very dim picture of mankind. But in chapter number 2, He seals it up in a little little bow. In verse number 1, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. There is no hope Outside of Christ. I want to read you this. <clears throat> I love when technology gets working crazy. Second Peter chapter 2. Peter speaks to a Christian. And he says, For if, if after they escape the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, they are entangled again therein and overcome the latter and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is but it, but it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now he's speaking there to Christians. He says, if you've accepted Christ and you've made things right, but you go back out into the world, he said the judgment is going to be worse than if you had never gotten saved. Now y'all hear me now. We're talking about hell. But I need you to understand all these warnings about sin and everything else that we're talking about have been to lost people. But now Peter begins to tell warnings to those Christians. Not only that, Luke chapter number 12. I believe we can apply this to a Christian. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared by himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with a few. 
For unto whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Again, this is a warning to believers. That we are giving a duty, we are giving a job, and if we, if we do not work, if we do not go, and we do not share, if we do not live a righteous life, he says much will be required of us. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 14. Let's put it back in our gear of that lost man now. Verse number 14, Matthew 10. And whosoever shall not receive you. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's just told them, I want you to go and I want you to preach. He said, if they don't receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Who shall go to hell? But are there degrees of punishment? I believe the Bible teaches us that. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 40, 41. This is our last point, number three. What is the duration of hell? Matthew 25. Now this is part of the Olivet Discourse. This is a message that Jesus Christ is preaching and in chapter number 24 he gives us a prophetic look of some things to come in chapter number 25 he continues a little and he says in verse 41 then shall he say unto them on the left hand depart from me ye curse into everlasting fire now in verse number around verse number 30 31 32 somewhere around there Jesus had just separated the goats and the sheep and he put the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And he's already rewarded those on his right hand. And he said, here is your reward. But verse number 41, he begins to speak to those on the left hand, those goats. He says, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hunger, he gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and he gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not, and naked, and you clothed me not, sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto thee, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the, the least of these, ye did it to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal. Into life eternal. How, how long? What is the duration of hell? Scripture said everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There may be a difference in degrees in heaven. But there is no difference in duration. Those that are in hell, those that will go to hell, they will get but just a short time of reprieve out of hell. That's in judgment. But then they will be cast into the lake of fire. So this morning... As we consider this, and we're probably asking, why is he preaching this to me? I'll give you that answer, I have no idea. But as we begin to consider this, and maybe hell is becoming real to us again, I need us to truly remember that without Christ, there is eternal, listen, eternal, everlasting, not ending judgment. He says there in Matthew chapter number 25, there's everlasting fire. Here's the sad part. It's not prepared for you. It wasn't prepared for me. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But because men, women, and children reject the name of Christ, 
they too are cast into that fire. Revelation chapter number 20. I really didn't think I'd get this far. Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the breast, or excuse me, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was no place found, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. I found this peculiar. Maybe somebody smarter than me has said it somewhere along the line. I'm sure I didn't come over with it by myself. Just goes to show you the, the difference in sheer numbers of people in the book. He says there are books open. But there was another book, singular. Singular. I wonder how many people we know, truly, that we know. I know a lot of people all over the place, especially now with Facebook and all that mess. I know a lot of people, but truly know. How many people do we truly know that are saved? Forget all of our acquaintances. Look at our workplace. How many people at your workplace are saved? Let's look at school. Kaylee, you and Ashton went to the ball game to the Nightmare School. Ashton told me there was no place in the bleachers really to sit. sit. Was that about right? She wasn't lying to me, was she? I don't know how big Sly County's stadium is. I wonder how many of those people that you go to school are saved. Miss Kim, you, you probably see people all day long, maybe coming and going through your office. How many of them are saved? Born again, fireproof. How many? If the answer to any of those questions is very few, and folks, we need to get on fire. Not the fire of hell. We need to get the fire of the Holy Ghost welling up within us to tell people. Because there's more names written in the books than there are in the book. He goes on, he says, And the sea gave up their dead. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every morning according to his works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever, listen, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What about hell and the future? The devil, the beast, the false prophet, this is, this is in years to come. It says they will be judged. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Those whose names were not written in what we call the Lamb's book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire. They will be judged according to their words and be cast into the lake of fire. So my question is today, if by chance you are here, in my guess it would be a scenario like this. You've made a profession of faith. You go to church. You do the right things. You go to the right places. But it's still not right. God may have this message just for you. And you're lost and you're going to what the Bible says is the devil's hell. Why would you choose to live another dangerous day without him? Why? How can you avoid hell? So simple, but it's so profound. I 
chapter 2, Peter said, Repent. Jesus says, Repent. John the Baptist said, Repent. Paul says, Repent. So one must repent of their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And when I say trust, I mean all of you. You're going to have to go all in. You ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin. Trust in what He did when He sent His only begotten Son. Trust in what the Son did on the cross of Calvary. Trust in the risen Savior on that third day. But trust this that that Savior will return one day. And He's going to return for His own. And if you don't trust in Him, you'll not be counted in that number. This morning you could spend eternity in one of two places. To my knowledge and in my hopes, you'll never hear you'll never hear this song. It's called Tomorrow Never Comes. And I've said this, many people have said that we're not promised tomorrow, but in truth, we are promised that tomorrow. Well, Jody, me personally, if I were to die right now, I know that I would go to heaven. I know. I know that I would go to heaven. And my tomorrow would be there. But if someone in here today or someone watching this or listening to the CD somewhere, if they reject Christ and they die today, then their tomorrow is in hell. Their eternity is in the lake of fire, but their tomorrow is in hell. Somebody there, and they're pulling me into a fire. I can't get away. 
begin to call out, begging somebody to help. Now, Brother David didn't say that he got saved. He didn't tell me that part of the story. He said eventually he succumbed to the medication that had been given. And he calmed down. And later that day, slipped into eternity. I, for one, as a pastor, that often am called to a home in that situation. I do not want, listen to me, I do not want to be guilty of not sharing the gospel with somebody that may one day have to climb the walls to get away from the flames of heaven. Let's stand.